Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Let's start today with a quick note of a recent federal court case in Rhode Island in which a group of students sued the state of Rhode Island, claiming that they had a constitutional right to an adequate civics education, which they claimed the state was not providing. Even though the judge clearly sympathized with the students, the judge decreed that there is no constitutional right to a civics education or any other kind of education. The students are going to appeal the decision, so stay tuned. At this point, listeners might be thinking, well, that's very interesting, but what does that have to do with our digital lives? Well, let's wait a minute and maybe we'll see. Just in time for Thanksgiving, Zoom has announced that it will eliminate the 40-minute limit on free calls on Thanksgiving Day so that families and friends can celebrate in the safest way possible in this time of skyrocketing COVID-19 infections here in Maine and all over the country. And that's not the only pretty good Zoom news of late. Zoom also announced that it will now offer end-to-end encryption on Zoom calls, even on the free ones. End-to-end encryption, of course, ensures the privacy of what takes place on those calls. Of course, Zoom has said in the past that calls were encrypted, on a couple of occasions actually, but when researchers dug into the Zoom source code, it turned out that wasn't quite accurate. In fact, it wasn't accurate at all. So now it seems like Zoom is finally really offering encryption, cross their hearts, hope to die. Turns out, though, that there are some serious asterisks around that encryption statement. Zoom calls on the free service with end-to-end encryption will have cloud recording disabled, ditto for live transcription, breakout rooms, polling, one-to-one private chats, and live emojis reactions. Perhaps more importantly, users will need to use Zoom software if they want to take advantage of this encryption. Users won't be able to, for example, just click on a website link. Now, there's nothing wrong with Zoom's end-to-end encryption having these limitations. Zoom is a free service for up to 40 minutes, after all. But try to find information about these limitations in all the brouhaha and announcements about real end-to-end encryption finally coming to Zoom. It will be a real treasure hunt if you do. So, if you're a Zoom user, Now at least you know that there are limitations on the service, so you don't have to discover them on your own at an embarrassing moment. And, believe it or not, that's still not all the Zoom news lately. There's more. And a good civics education, remember how we began a few minutes ago, would be a big help in sorting this mess out. It turns out that Zoom has essentially been censoring programs that it believes violates its terms of service which, you may recall, fits very nicely with our recent discussions of private online entities not being bound by the First Amendment and government organizations, which are bound by the amendment's free speech provisions, trying to force Zoom and Google and Facebook and so forth to perform censorship for the government because the government can't do it legally. And speaking of Zoom and Google and Facebook, They were all recent recipients of a letter from the National Coalition Against Censorship, co-signed by a who's who of free speech advocates. Why? Well, from the text of that letter, quote, 
As organizations dedicated to protecting freedom of expression, the National Coalition Against Censorship and the other groups signed below are deeply concerned by the recent decision of your companies to refuse to host a seminar conducted at San Francisco State University. End quote. It's no surprise that Zoom and other platforms have become essential to schools, colleges, and other educational institutions for remote learning during this pandemic time. So why the refusal to host this particular seminar? The seminar at San Francisco State included recorded remarks from a presenter who's associated with the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is designated as a foreign terrorist organization by the United States Department of State, as well as several other countries. She also is someone who once helped to hijack an airliner. Zoom apparently felt that transmitting an academic seminar that included such a person as a speaker was not to their liking and refused to do so. The university then quickly tried to switch the live event to Facebook. Sorry, no good there either. Ditto for YouTube, which is owned by Google. Hence, this letter addressed to all three. The particulars of this case are not really the issue for us today. The issue is who controls what can and cannot be said on the web? The fact of the matter is that Zoom, or any other private company, can pretty much decide what they will or will not transmit without in any way violating the First Amendment. At the same time, the government cannot tell private organizations what they can or cannot transmit, with very few constitutional exceptions. However, the government can lean on private organizations in various ways to encourage them to censor speech the government doesn't like. Recall the discussion on recent episodes of The Electronic Cottage about the FCC's announcement, ordered by Mr. Trump, that it was considering delivering new guidance on how to interpret Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which is what exempts Internet platforms from being responsible for what their users say online. Without that protection, the platforms could be sued rather than just the individual who made a comment big trouble for the platforms. What was Zoom's explanation for not allowing the seminar to pass over its system? Zoom noted that a speaker at the seminar had a, quote, reported affiliation or membership in a U.S. designated foreign terrorist organization, end quote. And that was sufficient for Zoom to fall back on the old chestnut of violating its terms of service. Variations of that explanation were supposedly adopted by Facebook and Google as well. And just to bring a little humor into this situation, after the San Francisco State Seminar event happenings, the New York University chapter of the American Association of University Professors, along with several NYU academic departments and institutes, scheduled a webinar to discuss censorship online by large companies, including Zoom and they intended to use Zoom as an online platform to discuss that topic. Zoom apparently got wind of this plan and refused to transmit the NYU event. Censoring an event set up to discuss censorship sounds like something that would happen under a tin pot dictator in a banana republic. But obviously, it can happen here. 
because it did. The question of who controls what content can appear online in our increasingly online world is a very important question indeed. And we'll continue to do our best to follow the increasingly complicated proposed answers to that question, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.